Welcome to the supporting cast. This is Eli Goldsmith. Today's guest is world renowned chef and restaurateur, Wolfgang Puck. In today's episode, Wolfgang speaks about the mentor who changed his life, Raymond Toulier, the head chef at Beaumaniere, a restaurant in the south of France where Wolfgang apprenticed as a teen. It was during this era where Wolfgang also met the late Sidney Poitier who not only inspired Wolfgang profoundly as an actor, but whose friendship evolved into Sidney becoming the godfather to two of Wolfgang's boys. No surprise, Wolfgang also speaks about food, and just as important, if not more, in his view, hospitality. To this day, Wolfgang assures personally that at his establishments, both remain first-rate as evidenced by him still spending Friday mornings at the fish market, personally choosing the very best tuna and Dungeness crab, or still spending nearly every evening at his restaurants across the world, greeting guests table by table, in person. On perhaps a more pedestrian level, stay tuned for Wolfgang also instructing me on how to make the very best scrambled egg. Wolfgang Puck on finding his passion and committing even through a pandemic to the highest levels of hospitality and service to his customers. This is The Supporting Cast. Welcome to the supporting cast. Thank you. Great to be with you guys at Howard Westlake. You know, my oldest boy, Cameron, went to Howard Westlake. My second son, Byron, went to Howard Westlake. My other two boys went to Howard Westlake. They are now in boarding school in Switzerland, but they want to come back to Howard Westlake. So, and I live next to Howard Westlake. How much more involved can I be? Exactly. Yeah. I know we were just saying I should have walked across the street and sat in your in your driveway and had the conversation, right? Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining and and I always like to start with kind of the present with these conversations. Right now we're we're both in Los Angeles. We are just coming, hopefully we've just gone over the hump of this Omicron wave for COVID nineteen. And first I just want to know how are you doing? How are you and your wife, your four boys, how are you all doing personally okay. during this unique time? Well, personally, right now, everybody is great. My son, the youngest one, Alexander, he has uh, the virus right now, but he is asymptomatic, so he doesn't feel anything. So he's in boarding school in Switzerland. So the whole floor of uh, where they live, they are all in quarantine. What they do, they play games all day long there. So he, he said he feels good. Uh, my wife had the virus, I think, in middle of December, and she got pretty sick, actually. Even she had the booster shots and everything, but she got bronchitis on top of it. So, but I'm good. Uh, I think Oliver's good. Byron is good. So I think all in all, we are good and working and getting back to normal, hopefully. Though we know with a new variant, it is really difficult because people are still scared about it. Exactly. And I'm sure it's a challenge for all of your restaurants and all the people who work at your restaurants. Totally. You know, we had to close Spargo for four days before New Year's because we had so many people out on uh, 
uh, leave, you know, because they got the virus. And the same thing happened in Maui. We closed for two days. So it's difficult. And a lot of people don't want to go back to work, too. You know, in our business, it's interesting because we have so many great people. But a lot of them change their mind and says, you know, maybe I'm going to change my lifestyle. Maybe I don't want to work every Saturday night, every Mother's Day or Christmas or New Year's. Maybe I'm going to work a little bit less and make a little less money, but have a better life. So we'll see where we end up. But if anybody from Harvard Westlake wants to go in the hotel restaurant business, you know, Byron, my son, went to Harvard Westlake and went to Cornell from there and worked in great restaurants in Europe. And now he's managing Mero up there. So we are always recruiting young people because that's the future. You know, I wanted to start, the, you know, the podcast is called The Supporting Cast. We talk about people who've supported us. I'm anxious to hear about some folks who've supported you. A story that I have about being at Spago about 15 years ago, I was sitting at the bar and out walks a real hero in the entertainment industry, Sidney Poitier. Yeah. And that impressed me and a couple of the people I was with. And he came over and said hello. And I thought, well, maybe this was just a random occurrence. Many, many celebrities come through your restaurants, of course, booking. But I later learned that this wasn't so random, that, that there was a long and deep friendship there. And I wondered if you wouldn't mind talking for a moment about your, your friendship with Sydney. I know Sydney for, I would say, 45 years or more. No, actually from 1970, probably when I was at Beaumanier in south of France, which really changed my life. But I met Sydney and... Uh, I saw some of his movies, which are amazing. He's an amazing actor. So, but the way Sidney lived his life, you know, it's really impressive. And I told my children, I said, you know, don't look up to me, look up to Sidney. And he should be your idol. He should be your mentor. He had so many obstacles, you know, being African Americans and having a bad accent, you know, not being able to do what he loved to do, being a dishwasher at the beginning. And then when he started to get roles in movies, not accepting roles, you know, which were typecast, like this. No, I want to be the main character. And, you know, he got there through sheer will and his willpower. And I think to me, he was a special person. And as a matter of fact, like about 16 years ago, 17 years ago, around that time, I was sitting with him at lunch at Spago. And he tells me, you know, he said, Wolfgang, he knew my wife, Galila, was pregnant. So he said, Wolfgang, it would be an honor for me if I can be the godfather of your children. You know, I had tears in my eyes. I started to cry. And I said, oh, my God, Sydney, you know what? This is the biggest honor I could have ever asked for. You know, he is such an idol of mine and uh, an amazing guy. So he became the godfather of Alexander and Oliver and was really special. And, you know, we were there the day he passed away at his house and everything. He doesn't live too far from where we live. So I think uh, he was a special person. But going back, you know, at Womania where I met Sidney and Joanna, that was really my turning point. If I wouldn't have gone there, we probably would not be talking today. Up to then, I was like 19 years old. I wasn't even sure if I want to continue as a cook. I finished my school at middle school. You know, I finished my school when I was 14 years old. I never went to high school or anything like that. So it was eight years in school. That was it. Then I started my apprenticeship in Austria and then I moved on went to France, worked in a decent restaurant in Dijon. But then 
I found out about the star system in the Guide Michelin and I ended up in the restaurant. I was working in Dijon, they had one star, and then I wrote to all the three star restaurants. And the first one to really gave me a positive answer was Raymond Tullier at Beaumanier. And I arrived there and I think that changed my life. He was at that time in his early 70s. He was so passionate about the food. He was so passionate about the ingredients. I know he had like six gardeners growing vegetables and fruits and things like that and bringing them to the restaurant. And uh, the fish came right from the fisherman in Marseille, which is like an hour away. Then I said, I want to be like him. I want to own my own restaurant one day. I want to be in the hospitality business, not just in the cooking business. And after I left Bomania, I went to Monte Carlo, worked at L'Hotel de Paris, and I didn't like it. And I went to see Mr. Tullier, and I said, you know, this is not really a great place for me to work. And he found me a job at Maxime's in Paris. And there I met a French guy who was opening a restaurant in New York. And somehow I ended up and we talked and uh, I was supposed to work in New York. I moved a little later and ended up in Indianapolis. But it all started in Beaumanier where I thought, this is my idol, this is my mentor. And for a lot of young people out there, if you're lucky enough to find your mentor and the mentor is really passionate about what he does and that rubs off onto you, then you don't count the hours you work, you don't count the days you work because you just love what you do more than anything else. That's right. And you've been quoted as saying that the food is important, but how you make guests feel may be as or maybe even more important. It sounds like that's something you learn there. And, and how do you sort of embody that as a restaurateur and as a chef here in L.A. and, and everywhere? You know, we teach people, we have to give our guests an experience. A great experience. So that way, on the way out, they're going to think, I can't wait to come back. You know, if you don't have repeat customers, you don't stay in business long. You want to get your value. You know, it has to have value. You don't mind to spend a few hundred dollars on a good bottle of wine, but you want to get nice glasses. You want somebody who serve it properly. And so it's an experience. The same thing with the food, with the service, the way you're treated when you walk in. A lot of people uh, treat you like, you know, they are doing you a favor when you go to a restaurant. You know, these are restaurants who stay in business for a year or two and then they close down. And, you know, for me, it was always I treat every guest is important. You know, I know we have a lot of movie stars, but I still remember when uh, at Cut, Tom Cruise had his birthday there. And I walked in and I said hello to everybody before I sat down with Tom Cruise because I know him for many years. And, you know, one customer came a few weeks later and says, you know, I remember you last time Tom Cruise was here. But you said hello to me before you went to Tom Cruise's table. And he said, that made me feel really good. And such a little thing, you know. And uh, everybody fans of celebrities anyway. So I said, you know, for me, I don't want to get stuck with that. Uh, Tom Cruise at the table, not that I don't want to, but then then if I wouldn't go to the other table, I would miss a table, they would say, oh, Wolfgang doesn't care about us, he only cares about movie stars. So to me, every guest who comes through our doors is important. It doesn't matter where they come from, what they do. I think once they enter our restaurant, we want the guests to have a great experience. So that's why hospitality 
is just as important or even more important than the food because you can buy a good steak, simply grill it. If you grill it right temperature, people will be happy. So it's not anything uh, magical happen except you bought a good piece of meat. But if the guests then feel good, they will come back. And you are there. I mean, I've been at Spago or at Wolfgang Puck at the Hotel Bel Air. You are there at lunchtime, at dinner time, just saying hello to people. People think, oh, Wolfgang Puck, he's seeing his house and dealing with all of these franchises around the world. No, you're actually there shaking hands with people. I'm there all the time. I was there last night. You know, Byron was off at uh, Meroa up at the Pendry Hotel. And I had some important people come. Normally, Byron would have taken care of them, but because he wasn't there, so I spent time there. So I was there like for four hours last night. I went home at 11.30, even it's Monday night. So why? Because I really love to do that. And I think I'm one of these lucky guys who at my age, you know, I'm past 70, and I still have the same passion. What did I do on Friday? I went to the fish market to make sure we get great fish for the weekend. And I found some great tuna and some amazing Dungeness crab. And I brought them to Tetsu, our chef, and he did such a great job with the crab. So I was so excited. And I think that's what makes me live. How does it work, though, when you're trying to build that type of atmosphere in a restaurant where everyone feels important, everyone feels welcomed, but then a pandemic hits and all of your routines? All of the communications between the cooking staff and the wait staff and the host and the maitre d' all has to change, and you're pushed outdoors. How do you maintain that consistency in experience? You know, obviously we had to close. Like last year at the time, the restaurants were closed. Now we build on Cannon Drive outside a pavilion. It's not eating in the street. We put a wooden floor in it. We put like a tent, like a pavilion. We build with air condition, with heating, everything in it. So to make the people comfortable, we could have served them on the outside on the sidewalk too. But I spent almost $500,000 building this tent to make the guests feel good so that when there's more space in between the tables and everything. So I think to me, I want our guests to feel good when they come to us you know i don't cheat on the food quality i don't cheat on the staff you know could we have less stuff yeah but maybe we will get less good of a service could we have less people in the kitchen probably maybe the food would take longer we would buy cheaper ingredients maybe not many people will know but i know so to me only the best is good enough pandemic or no pandemic we try to adapt and if there is a problem, if you're a professional, you always find a solution. Do you think your experience kind of franchising your brand across the world and, you know, you have LAX and there are all sorts of different versions of your food and hospitality. Do you think that helped you adapt? Well, you know, first of all, I'm, let me tell you, all our upscale restaurants, if it's in uh, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, New York, Washington, London, or Budapest, or Bahrain, or Singapore, we manage 100%. So it's just like it's our restaurant. You know, it's like the Four Seasons Hotels. When they run a hotel, it's owned by different owners, but they run the hotel. We run our brand. We run our restaurant, if it's Cut, if it's Spago, if it's Chinois, 
or any other thing. Now, at the airports, my brother Klaus runs all the restaurants at the airport. So that way, we don't sell somebody the name. We actually manage. So that's the difference with a lot of other people. And the most important thing we have is our reputation. So if we lose our reputation because I have a few people out there who just think about making money and they try to cheapen our brand, it would be deadly to our brand. So that's why I decided, you know, I'm not going to franchise restaurants. I'm going to manage them. So now we do it in different ways. Some restaurants we manage, we don't have to invest money. Some restaurants we invest all the money and build it from ground up. We are building a restaurant on the beach now where Gladstone is, you know, on Sunset and PCH. We don't want to give now that restaurant to somebody to manage it. We want to serve good food. So the first thing is we give customers a great experience, serve them great food and great service, great hospitality, and then we'll make money the old-fashioned way. You know, we earn it. We don't want to get rich overnight. We are in business now for 40 years. Spargo just turned 40. Shinoa is 38 years old. Most of the restaurants who were famous in the 80s or 90s, they're all closed now, they're all gone. You know, I remember having restaurants like where we are now, Spargo used to be the Pisto Garden. Up the street was the Pisto. Then you had Chasers, then you had Le Dome, you had Le Restaurant, Ma Maison. Uh, Le Saint-Germain, you name them, they are all closed now. Why? Because they didn't change. And you know, for me, obviously tradition is an important part, but also innovation is an, an important part. So we always want to get better, we always try to do more, and we always try to learn more. When you apprenticed in that stint that changed your life that you talked about, how were you treated? You know, it was different at that time, but I think Tuilier, Mr. Tuilier treated us better than, for example, what I experienced in Austria. In Austria, when I was 14, 15, 16, you know, this chef slapped you, kicked you in the butt and everything, and abused you physically and uh, emotionally and everything. I think in Bomania, they still were yelling, a lot of screaming going on, and I still respected him because he wanted everything to be perfect. He wasn't abusive because you did this or that. He was uh, really looking for perfection, and some people didn't think so, didn't do the right thing, so he used to get very upset, and I think it was different in the old time, the way you treated people in school. When I went to school, the teacher used to come up and pull you up on the ear or on the hair and I mean, you do that today and you go to jail. So it was a totally different times in the 60s, 50s, up to the 70s maybe. And then you moved to Los Angeles in the mid-70s and Spago was originally on the Sunset Strip. What was the reason to move from Sunset Strip Hollywood to Beverly Hills? You know, I wanted the restaurant to make it better, but I also got the feeling, I said, I cannot get any higher with this restaurant. This is the end. So I said, the pistol garden came up. It had a beautiful patio outside, a beautiful garden. And I said, this is California. You know, this is the best place. You have a beautiful garden. You can sit outside. I always love to be outside. When I worked at Bomania in the summer, we had this beautiful garden outside with the big trees and everything. So to me, that was always really a great place to eat. And so 
when this location became available. So I bid on it, we got it, and I moved Spago. Well, there are some standard questions to finish up uh, in the supporting cast, and they relate to Los Angeles, because Los Angeles is known for our movies, our food, of course, and our climate. What's Wolfgang Puck's favorite movie? Wow, that's a very, very difficult thing. You know, there are some movies which you remember forever. Sidney Poitier in this movie called In the Heat of the Night was really, for me, when I saw it the first time, was an amazing movie. I was very friendly with Billy Wilder when I saw Sunset Boulevard and I saw something like it hard. Not only was I so impressed that he was a great director, but he was an amazing writer. He was the producer. And you know, he didn't grow up in America, so to write about comedy in a different language, I mean, he really was very, very talented. And then there are other people like Orson Welles. Orson Welles used to come to Maison when I came to LA every day for lunch. I used to feed him, uh, you know, I used to give him a little appetizer. He used to come an hour early so he could eat more and taste what I was cooking and everything. Then I asked him to write a little thing on my book, a little blurb, uh, and he did. But also then I, uh, I saw Citizen Kane and I said, what a genius. So here's one probably everyone is anxious to hear. What's your favorite meal in Los Angeles? I haven't eaten, eaten it yet. So I think for me, it's not so much about the meal, it's who I have the meal with, you know. Mm. I could have the best meal and I could have it with some business guy who is rude, who is not uh, really polite or whatever. And I would say this meal sucks, you know. It's not really the meal, but it's the person. So. The company is really just as important. I could have just a simple pasta with different pepper, you know, like a cacio pepper, maybe with a little lobster, a little black truffle, and and eat that and uh, with the right people, and I would be happy. So it's really, I think, uh, an important part is the people, you know, the occasion, whatever it is, the whole experience. And what's your favorite place in Los Angeles? You know, Los Angeles is so amazing. You can stay in L.A. and go around L.A., go down to the beach. I remember when I came to L.A., I lived in Indianapolis for a year. I arrived at night in L.A. I didn't even know the geography, how L.A. is laid out. And I checked into the hotel, and then I asked the concierge, I said, where is the ocean? I want to go to the ocean. He said, oh, I was downtown. He said, take Venice Boulevard and you will end up at the ocean. So I couldn't wait until I got to the ocean. So to me, that was always special. But, you know, driving up the coast town of Malibu, it's beautiful. Being up on Mulholland Drive and having this amazing view. And even now at our restaurant, Miroir, on top of the Penry Hotel on Sunset, you can see from downtown to the ocean. LA on a clear day, it's really an amazing city. You see the mountains in the back with snow and you can go to the beach. So it's really a great place. I love LA and I think uh, to me, I could live somewhere else too. But you know, I think LA is the best place to live. The climate is amazing. I mean, I was walking my dog this morning around the campus there, Howard Westlake, for an hour. And I said, this is like so amazing. The weather is so nice. Where else can you do that in January? You know, I'm going to go to London this weekend and I'm sure it's going to be cold and rainy and freezing and everything. So I think in the in LA, it's 70 degrees. So my last question is always around parenting advice. I have two little girls. 
but I want to kind of tweak it because I'm talking to Wolfgang Puck. Uh, this morning, I made scrambled eggs for my three-year-old. Me too. I made it for Oliver. Oliver, who's going to Switzerland. And he says, Papa, I'm so hungry. Before I came here to my office, I said, okay, Oliver, let's make some scrambled eggs. And he helped me make them. And we made some toast with it. And I have this gluten-free bread from the Bel Air Hotel. And I had that with scrambled eggs with extra pepper. I didn't have black truffles. It was extra pepper. Wow. So that was going to be my question. Because you've often said that making good scrambled eggs is one of the most difficult things to prepare, even though it seems simple. What's the secret? What's the secret to great scrambled eggs? Well, first of all, I think you temper the eggs a little bit. Then you mix them really well with the fork or whatever in a bowl, you know, so that way they are all nice separated. Then you add like maybe for four eggs, a tablespoon of cream to it. And you do some more, season them with salt and pepper, and then put them in a pan with a little oil and butter and see the butter foaming a little bit. You add the eggs and stir them and cook it over low heat. The most important part is to kick it slowly so the eggs are nice and creamy. You don't want the eggs hard and anything. You know, you almost, they should be that you have to eat them with a spoon. It's perfect to fit a, a kid. You feed them with a spoon and then it's delicious. You know, you can put it on a piece of bread, eat it like that. But, you know, I remember when I came to Indianapolis, we were having a restaurant where we served breakfast and the breakfast cook got sick and the chef asked me, well, anybody wants to do breakfast and make a little extra money? I raised my hand and says, okay, I'll do it. And I was making the scrambled eggs just like that, cooked them slowly with the spatula and, you know, so they get creamy, put them on a plate and you can see the eggs were like this, flattened out. The waitresses looked at me and says, what is that? I said, that's real scrambled eggs. They brought it to the guests. The guests didn't like them. They sent it back. After three or four came back, one of the waitresses came in the kitchen and said, let me show you how we make scrambled eggs. She threw all these soft scrambled eggs in a pan, cooked them until they were rubbery and floppy like that on the plate uh, that you had to cut them. And she said, these are scrambled eggs. I said, you know what? These are not scrambled eggs, but I know people get used to eat it like that. The same way people are used to eat their steak well done. And, the right. same, and they're used to eat their scrambled eggs well done. <laughs> Got it. So cooking eggs the right way is not as easy as it looks, you know. And you have to get the right eggs too for that. You know, you, I go to the farmer's market or we get them really with a really dark yolk and everything. And so it's such a different taste, you know. Once you're used to good things, it's very difficult to get supermarket quality. And we are lucky in California, you know, we have so much great produce and fruits. We have the farmer's market. So it's really a great place for a chef, actually, because we have so many great ingredients, just like in South of France where I started. Well, thank you again, Wolfgang. Thank you. Thank you.